Hey, we are glad that you are tuning back in with us. This is technically the fourth session of My Town. So if you have been following with us, you know that we have designed a, a summer theme called My Town for the months of June, July, and August. But the other thing that we have continued to say is that we in no way, shape, or form meant for this simply to be a summer theme. And we really do hope to begin to embody and embrace what it means to uh, take seriously what it means to love our neighbor in the city of Hendersonville and uh, be passionate about our town. And so that's kind of where we're headed with this. And so this is the fourth session. Um, and we're going to be having a conversation today about what it means for love to be observant. And so um, I I'm going to pray for us, then kind of make some uh, brief introduction. So, Father, we're so excited to be here with you today. And uh, we're thankful for the time that we get to spend together. So uh, we ask that you continue to be with us as we navigate these different elements of Luke chapter 10 and and what love is and what it means to love our neighbors well in our city with the people right here in front of us. So Father, we thank you for our time together and uh, we thank you for your son Jesus. And it's in his name and through the power of your Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Amen. So I am joined today by some friends and so we're going to break this introduction up just a little bit. So um, many of you know uh, Stan Wilson who is in here with us right now. So this is Stan. He is on staff at Hendersonville. My name is John Micah and I'm on staff at Hendersonville as well. And uh, Stan, why don't you go ahead and introduce us to our, our other friend who is here with us right now. Yeah, I'm so uh, privileged to introduce Dr. Mark. Uh, well, Mark, there's a, there's a little bit of inconsistency in your last name. Some people some people like me said it Chiampa when I first met you. And then I think you told us to just say Chiampa. So Dr. Mark, what? <laughs> it depends on where you're standing. If you're, in, <laughs> if you're in Italy, it'd be Chiampa. However, since we're standing in Tennessee, it's more Chiampa. And in case you're wondering, it means one who is left-handed, which I am not. Oh, not that's awesome. Okay. That's awesome. So Dr. Mark Champa. If we're Mark in, if Chompa. if we're in Middle Tennessee, if, if we're, we're which is where we are. Yes, right, we right. Are. Okay. Excellent. And Dr. Mark Champa teaches at uh, Western Kentucky University, correct? Yes, that's correct. You're, you're very comfortable with Zoom and this is this is kind of your world for the last 4 months or so, right? Oh yes, my classes have all been Zoom classes. Yes. Yep, just like ours. So, great. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Thank you. So as John, uh, as John said in the intro, we are in the, the, the story or the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. And I just, want to, uh, I just want to read verse 33. This is from the New English Translation. So too, uh, actually that's verse 32. So to a Levite, when he came up to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, in verse 33, but a Samaritan who was traveling came to where the injured man was, and when he saw him, he felt compassion for him. So, Mark, I was thinking about uh, with you coming on and, and uh, some of your studies in New Testament and your master's degree in, in New Testament and your teaching classes here at Hendersonville, what are your thoughts about that story? I mean, the, the Samaritan clearly was going somewhere, right? Um, he didn't set out and leave his abode or his house and say, I'm going to go search all the ditches today and see if I find any people in them. Um, he was going somewhere. He probably had a schedule. He probably had some uh, arrival time of where he was going, and probably this was not something that was necessarily factored in. So um, it makes me think, we were talking last week about uh, about kingdom vision, uh, 
and the idea of what it would be like to go out into the world visualizing things from the kingdom. Um, some of, some people that are listening or watching might be familiar with, with Dr. Lee Camp from Lipscomb's new book, Scandalous Witness, a little politi- political manifesto for Christians where you need to get the book. It's very deep. There's a lot of, a lot of good material in there. But overall, the thesis of, of Dr. Camp's book is that Christianity is the ultimate politic. It's what orders our lives. So the kingdom is what we think through first. And I just wonder if we think about that, what are your thoughts about how the Samaritan um, would have seen or, or been observant for a schedule interruption for the man who was laying on the side of the road? Yeah, that's, that's really interesting, Stan, thinking about observant and schedules. And the thought that comes to my mind, actually, Stan, is a question. I'll, I'll kick back to you. Do you think that Jesus kept a day planner? <laughs> wow. Well, maybe just morning and evening. It seems like he had a morning prayer routine and an evening prayer routine. But other than that, I'd say probably not. Let me put my day timer down. <laughs> so you don't think that he pulled out something that said, well, let's see, uh, Tuesday at 2.30, meeting the Samaritan woman at the well. And then Thursday at 11, I'm healing the, the lame man. And then Saturday, you know, that's not what happened, obviously. But what Jesus did was he was just observant. And I think he was observant of two things that are just kind of intertwined, and it's hard to separate them. But he was observant of what the Spirit was leading him to do. He was just in tune and and just observant of, of the Spirit's, direction and leading. But he he also was really observant of people's needs as well. And, and kind of what comes to my mind is, if he just was observant of the Spirit's direction, then he could be moved to, oh, there's a sick person over there. I need to help that person because the Spirit is leading me to. No, no. Jesus was observant not just of what the Spirit was leading him to do, but he was observant of people's desperate situations and really felt moved to help them. So in some way, I think those two are really intertwined. He was observant of the spirit's direction, but he also was just observant of of people's situations and was just moved to to do something. So Stan, does that make sense about this intertwining of, of those two? Yeah, I think it does. I, I appreciate the the example and thinking through that. That uh, you know, that I think I think that highlights a lot of things in Scripture actually, where we see Jesus at times saying, for example, you mentioned the the woman at the well. You know, we know that to the apostles that comes as a shock, right? Well, we've got to go through Samaria. Well, why? Uh, we we weren't planning on going through Samaria. Something indicated to Jesus he needed to go through Samaria. And so, therefore, he made a adjustment to the journey, and luckily, uh, they respected him and just said, "Okay, we'll we'll go where you say to go." But you know, at that time, in that particular story, that was not how people traveled who weren't Samaritans. Uh, they avoided it and t- took a longer route to go around. So, for him to go through would have been a shorter journey to where he was going. But that wasn't really why he took it. Right? He took it because something told him he needed to go see somebody in Samaria. So John, what, what do you think? Well, 
I love how, so we mentioned even before recording this, right? How, as we begin to have conversations, how different things will probably and likely uh, shoot into our heads as, as someone makes a comment. And so, man, Mark, I know we had mentioned this already, but as I hear Mark talk about just the, about Jesus, it, I love the fact that Mark continues as in Mark Champa, not just the gospel of Mark, uh, Mark Champa continues to highlight Jesus's humanity. Um, he was tired. He was hungry. But the very fact that you just talked about the fact that he he literally he really was genuinely empathetic and compassionate about people's circumstances and situations. It wasn't just uh, it wasn't part of his daytimer, right? I love I love that you brought that up too, which made me which makes me think of my second thing. And so his humanity. But I don't I don't maybe this is one of our other professors or other conversations that we continue to have. But and, and this may not be deeply theological. You guys can help sort help me sort through this if it's not. But that Jesus, many of the interactions that we see with Jesus, the people that he interacts with, are people who actually interrupted him or interrupted his journey or interrupted a conversation that he had, or someone uh, broke the roof apart and they let someone down before in front of him. But Jesus was interruptible in that he didn't he didn't, you know, come unglued, but he was observant to even those circumstances that maybe were not planned. And as, as you said, they, it's not like these were planned things, but the very fact that his temperament was interruptible. And I think about the people who were so urgent to get to him and how, how he respectfully dealt with these people, whoever they were. And, and, and I'm always moved by the way in which he did with the tenderness and the compassion that he had. So I think about his humanity, Mark, and, and staying both. And I think about just this, these interactions that he had where Jesus seemed to be interrupted on a regular basis, but it didn't seem to unnerve him. Yeah. That, does that, that make sense? It, it does. And that, that's a really great, a really great point. And, and you said something that let me just kind of segue off on about the people. And I kind of wonder, sometimes I think in terms of circles, that I've got this, mm-hmm. this circle of, of friends, co-workers, you know, relatives, neighbors, that sort of stuff. That's, that's my circle. Um, and I wonder sometimes what was Jesus' circle. Mm-hmm. Now, we could say Jesus' circle was a whole world, true. But he also had a circle of, you know, the 12 and Mary and, and that. And I'm thinking in terms of, you know, circles. And I'm kind of wondering sometimes... I think my circles are either too small or too big Mm. in that, oh, this is my small circle. And these are the people that I need to be helping and be concerned with and that sort of stuff. And if you're not in my circle, too bad for you. But the other extreme is sometimes I think that my circle is too big that, oh, I've got to save everybody in the world. I've got to help all the poor people in Africa and it's just overwhelming, so I don't do anything at all. So I wrestle between being observant in too small a circle or too big a circle. So, John, Micah, I'm going to kick it back to you. How does that – what do you think in terms of, of small circles, big circles? <laughs> this is that question I was afraid – I was like, he's going to ask me a question, and I'm going to have to sit here and dwell on it for a little bit, although it's not that difficult of a question, right? I mean, my mind is blowing up as you're – I know we – again, I know we – as we dialogued about some of this, um, my mind – my mind, Mark, automatically goes to table theology or table fellowship with Jesus. And I begin to think about – 
um, the experiences in his circles around around tables and around the people that he was with, and how Jesus was. And, and if I'm not if I'm not answering your question, you can come back and and let me know. Uh, but I think about whatever circle that Jesus was in at the time. He was present with those people in a way that was incredibly inclusive. Yes. Um, therefore, Jesus, his table was for everybody. And so I often ask, how big is my table? Who, like how, who, who is actually, who actually is allowed to sit at my table or how, how accessible is my table when I think about circles and is, and is my table really welcoming for, for everyone? Okay. As I, as I continue to think about what this is for us to think about my town and, um, last week, Stan and I talked about love is proactive and here we are talking about love is observant. Um, Jesus was incredibly present with the people that he was with. And so he was in close proximity with people. And so, again, I may not have answered this question, but I think you're right. I think there is something to sometimes we become inactive because we live in those extremes of either my circle's too big or my circle's too small. And we tend to miss the people who are right in front of us. And so um, there's something about being present with those that that maybe God has brought to you or maybe the fact that you have you are placed in a certain circumstance or situation with a group of people. And so it's like, hey, be observant to what's right here in front of you. Does, 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 am I coming close, Mark? Oh, yeah, it's a bullseye. Bullseye okay. in the circle there. That's the first time ever I had a bullseye. Please tell me how. Yeah. No, I, I think that's really spot on that um, Jesus was intimate with his circle and he didn't let his circle define him. Mm. He was observant of those in his circle, but he also let his circle kind of overlap with other people's circles. And mm. kind of what I mean by that is I've got a, a good friend that I went to college with and he does a lot of great missionary work in Africa right now. And I'm not in Africa and I don't have a circle in Africa, but Paul, this person is part of my circle. So I can help Paul with his Africa work. And I'm kind of in a little bit of his circle. So as my circle touches his circle, I can kind of expand out. I guess you might be able to say that. Um, so it's not just my circle but it's my circle touching other circles. And to me, that's kind of what Jesus did in terms of being observant. He observed those close at hand in his circle and those that other circles touched. Uh, Stan, how's that? How do you think about Jesus and, and circles? <laughs> well, I, I was just listening Hard. to the two of you, and uh, I was thinking about what John said about the paralytic being let down through the ceiling, right, while Jesus was preaching. And you know, if we look at that text, and of course I'm paraphrasing, I don't have it right in front of me, but Jesus basically says it's the faith of the friends that let the man down. So there's their circle. They knew, hey, if we can get you down to him, then he will heal you. I don't know what that means for the paralytic circle. It might've been kind of small, but, but the circle of the friends was the circle that inter, intersected with Jesus. And then he blatantly said, it's the faith of your friends that has healed you. And so I heard that. And then I also heard that, you know, you're, you're talking a while ago, Mark, about kind of the intertwining um, and, and John talking about the table and how Jesus's table, what I heard John say was it has no filter. There's no, 
there's nothing that says, no, wait a minute, well, hang on, uh, you can't sit here unless you meet one, two, and three. Now, it's open to everybody, and yet <clears throat> we tied in uh, John 4 and the, and the woman at the well just briefly uh, in this conversation as well, and so that was still up here floating around, and it seems to me that Jesus's circle and his filterless table is what his human capability was doing. And then it's intertwined with his full measure of the Holy Spirit and his spiritual side, which caused him to go to Samaria when, uh, when he didn't plan on going. Uh, it causes him sometimes in Scripture to say, well, Mark, what, what do you want from me? Versus, John, I know that you have this ailment, and I'll just heal it. Or, go and wash one time, and what do you see? Well, I see people who look kind of like trees, and they're blurry. Well, let me do it again. You know, th so we've got three different versions of how Jesus would have the kingdom, kingdom manifest in his work, right? It would either just be, when you get there, she will be healed, or it was a two-step process, or it was, I know exactly what you need, or it was, I don't know what you need, what do you need from me, or the lady reaching out and grabbing the hem of his garment and him turning around and saying, who touched me, but she was already healed. So I think the bigger circle is the Holy Spirit and his attunement to that and being able to hear and hear so well that his schedule is, you know, his non-daytimer, the way John was saying, had open spaces for whatever the Holy Spirit revealed to him. Because I have a feeling that even though the parable of the Good Samaritan, we might, we might kind of comically say the guy was right in the way. There was no way you could miss him. I mean, all three characters that come upon him have to make a decision to kind of sidestep and walk around or help him, right? But what if, what if the story had been told that you're going down a road and you don't readily see anybody? So does that mean there was nothing for you to do? Because it seems like Jesus shows that's not the case. There's plenty to do if you're listening well to what the Spirit prompts you for. Yeah, and that's, that's a really great point, Stan, and really strong. And I'm thinking, okay, then how do I make that practical for our town, my town, this town, right now in terms of listening to the Spirit and at the same time, being just observant of what people's needs are. And I, I think those two still just kind of fit together somehow. And without trying to take a, you know, a scalpel and trying to dissect them. Um, so the question that I have, Stan and John Micah, to you two guys is how today do we best listen to the spirit and at the same time be observant of what the needs of, of people are? What are some practical things you do to listen to the Spirit and be observant at the same time? <laughs> Anything come to mind? Yeah, guys? yeah, an entirely different podcast. Uh, yeah, no, tons come to mind, right? What a phenomenal um, question, Mark, to segue into. And I'll try to be brief because, Stan, I mean, I don't want to steal any of where we are with this, but Mark, when I think, I, th I can't help but think about even some of the conversations that we're having with quote unquote classes in our Sunday morning curriculum as we're talking about Jesus, because these conversations continue to overlap. And the things that are coming to my mind are, you know, if we are instruments of the kingdom, if we are as humans, the expressions to the world about how God feels 
about humanity, then if we are if we are kingdom people, if we are part of the kingdom of God, then we have this. There's part of us that has to do what is right here in front of us now, knowing that we're not going to change the world overnight. But when I think about listening and being observant, um, I, this goes back to something I think we said just a little bit earlier that I'm still trying to play with. And it, I stand, he'll laugh. I, I, my brain keeps going back to Philippians chapter two and Jesus who emptied himself, poured himself out. And there was this pouring out of himself that made himself, uh, it made him who he was, but also, you know, there's so much more of that text, obviously for crying out loud. But when I think I'm, I'm trying to relate that to us as humans now to pour ourselves out, to put our interest off to the side, to put our needs off to the side and put the interest of others and the needs of others before us requires us to empty ourselves. To me, there's something that happens within us being attuned to the spirit when we are feeling that way and thinking that way. And by the way, I think that's a Holy spirit giftedness too, to be able to empty yourself and be able to think about others I think some people do it naturally very well. I think though for me, when I think about listening and thinking about being observant requires a lot of me putting a lot of my agenda and a lot of John Micah's thoughts and my daytimer, if you would, going back to your first analogy off to the side. So I can be open to what God may be placing before me because Stan and I, as we've journeyed in the formation of spiritual directors and what it means to listen and what it means to become attentive and aware, there's a whole, there's an entire other conversation behind this conversation of how big that is. And I may have just rambled for, for, for five minutes straight. So let me know. No, that was, that was good. I, I was thinking was while, while you were talking, <laughs> uh, I, I had the story of Samuel come up in my mind, you know, what would it be like to just wake up and have an open dialogue with God for the day? It starts with something like, you know, father, uh, your servant is listening, you know, please, please speak. And, you know, sometimes when people hear that, they might go, whoa, wait a minute, what what, what are you saying? I, I think it could be just as simple as turning off the radio uh, in the car sometimes or having solitude on purpose maybe in the mornings uh, when you first wake up. If you're going to have a cup of coffee, don't, don't turn on the television and start getting into the news. Uh, don't grab the newspaper if anybody still does that. Actually, go outside and just drink your cup of coffee as if it's early enough, maybe the sun's coming up or your day's starting and just kind of ask to be aware. And then notice that the awareness is not what we probably think. You know, it's not some booming voice from heaven that says, you know, Stan, take a left turn here. It's, it's all of a sudden I'm doing something on a, on a Tuesday or today on a Wednesday and Dr. Mark Ciampa's name comes up in my head for no known reason. And I think, well, that's strange. I wonder what I just thought of Mark for. And then it comes up again. And so I pick up the phone and I, I call Mark. And I say, hey, Mark, uh, how's it going? And I just see where it goes because I cannot explain why your name popped in my head. It popped up more than once. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just you needed encouragement or maybe it's just you needed to hear from somebody or you might then tell me that you have something that you've been thinking about and we have a conversation end in prayer. This kind of stuff has happened to me when I am capable of hearing it or noticing those things. So it's not always a person lying on the side of the road. It could be that I've had many opportunities during the day to just smile at somebody or to just say, have a blessed day or to just tell them, God loves them or hello or, or recognize them as human beings. And that's not hard to do, but that is somehow listening and acting 
without overthinking it of, oh, yeah, I bet those opportunities today that now that I think about as I lay down in the bed, I missed and I wasn't listening well. And I wish I could go back, but I won't interact with that person that way again. They won't be still laying in the ditch tomorrow for me to go back and help them. I should have done it right then. Yeah, well, Mark, Mark, you used a word, I think, right? And I, I didn't even interrupt you, but I think you said right before you went back to stand just then that Jesus was in tune with the Spirit. There's something to be said for being in a rhythm and learning and experiencing and being in practice. I think that's part of what spiritual disciplines and formation is. And I won't say anything more than that, but I think that I think I think I did hear you say there's something to Jesus' life about him being in tune with the Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's more what I need to try to do is be in tune with the spirit and be that's one part of being observant. And the other part is just just seeing people who have a need. And those are just, you know, again, to me, they're just somehow intertwined. And I just need to, you know, to tune in to them. Um, and not only to my circle, but circles that touch my circle and, and that. And and just one more thought comes to mind. I know we're just about done. Um but there was a passage in the book of Mark I was reading recently where Jesus healed someone. And it's really interesting that it says that, and I've got it here, Jesus was indignant. And he wasn't angry at, at Pharisees because they didn't bring him. The man came by himself. So what was Jesus mad or indignant about? And I think it's just seeing people just in the ravages of pain and misery and sin. And I'm wondering if the starting point of me being observant is I truly am upset at the situation in which people are in. Mm. And if I'm not mad and upset, then I'm probably not going to do much at all. So I'm thinking, boy, there's an emotion here I need to, to mimic. Um, that when I see people in that state, I need to be, you know, angry about it and, and want to do something. Um, Stan, how does that, how does that hit you? Yeah, that I'm hearing you that, uh, that's a direct hit to kind of, you know, justice rolling like a river. Right. Um, and it's also a direct hit to kingdom vision has you elevate everything up to the way things will be in the age to come. And if you look around and you don't see it that way, and you're, you're an ambassador or a representative of being able to bring whatever you can of that into the present, then it should make you angry that it's not that way. And it should draw you to uh, the point of wanting to take action to do it the best you can. Now we can't do it, unfortunately, as well as, as Jesus did or does. Uh, but, we, we don't just sit around saying, well, that's a shame that things aren't better than they are. Uh, I sure wish I could, you know, and then, and this is where, this is where I think a lot of people go, right? They go into this, well, I want to fix something globally, or I want to fix something nationally, or I want to fix something for my entire church. Well, maybe that's too big. Maybe you just need to do what you can do where you are at that particular moment that reflects your ability to bring the kingdom into that moment the best you can. And if you do that every day, that'll make a huge difference compared to waiting for the big grand slam that may not, may not really be possible. Yeah, I agree. John, Micah, you were going to say something. What, no, I, just, I love it. 
again, I think I think that that's we we've we've said so much as we've kind of prepared for these, and it's so easy for us to you know get ideas for entire other segments because I think that we could literally right now talk for an hour and a half because we can easily get excited. So when I hear you express Jesus' emotions, I, I, I come back to his humanity, as you've pointed out again. He was a human being who, um, when I hear you say indignant and when I hear you say angry or mad, um, we often pray, and I don't know that we actually, ah, careful how I say that, um, we pray it, and I often wonder how much we mean it, but God, break our heart for the things that break yours, because I think that's what you're saying. Am I heartbroken over the things that God is heartbroken over? Um, because if I'm not, like you just said, I may never deeply feel and or act out of any of that because... And am I devastated over the things that he's devastated over or that the triune God is devastated over the brokenness of the world? Do I get excited about the things that the triune God gets excited about? Right. I mean, to me, those are two very different things. And as a human, the things I have to pour out of myself are, do I get bent out of shape when I'm interrupted when my schedule's going like the way it is and I don't have time to do that, or that's interrupting my, my thought process for the day or whatever it is. And so I could easily ramble there, but that's all I have to say. When I think about what you, you mentioned his emotions again, and and am I, am I heartbroken over the things that would break God's heart for things that are occurring in this city right now that you and I are, that our circles are overlapping it, even just here in Sumner County, what breaks God's heart here in Sumner County? And it's the same things that probably break his heart nationally, but what, but that's our overlapping circle that I keep hearing you talk about. Um, yeah. In what ways can I be his? Can I be his expression to the things that break his heart right here, right now in this city? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, just kind of quickly wrap up. We've talked about Jesus was observant in terms of the spirits leading, and also of people as well. Mm-hmm. Both both are really important. And we talked about circles, not having too small a circle, not having too big a circle but a circle that touches other circles as God has placed us in circles, just, you know, glorify him within that circle. Um, And about being just indignant and mad about the, the, the terrible situation that people are in and let that just move my heart. John, Michael, you said, let that break my heart as it broke his heart. Um, And I think maybe those are to me, just maybe some starting points about, being observant and how we can, how we can glorify God and bless the people of Hendersonville. So mm. that's, that, that's what was on my mind. Thanks Mark. Yeah. Well, we hope you have enjoyed my town episode four on love is observant. Uh, next week we're going to hear about love being compassionate. And I just want to thank uh, John Micah and Dr. Mark Champa for being with us uh, tonight. <laughs> uh, I pray that we, all go out with uh, the desire for kingdom vision and that we just pray that we have the opportunities every day to, to hear with ears and see with eyes what God puts before us. And something that has been said here tonight will uh, allow you to take action, even, if it, even at the risk of maybe seeming, uh, uh, I don't know, the butt of the joke uh, or, or, or being late to the next meeting or whatever it is. Just to act before the window of opportunity closes uh, and to bring the kingdom into the present the best we can because that's that's our full-time job. We thank you for being with us and look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks, Stan. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. See you guys. Yeah.